Solidarity Winnipeg is a multi-tendency organization devoted to building political power in Winnipeg. We're not where we want to be, but we are slowly advancing towards our goal of forming a legitimate, full political organization devoted to the eco-socialist cause. This is the official Solidarity Winnipeg podcast. And before we begin, I would like to make an Atlantic acknowledgement, uh, saying that we're on the uh, traditional territories of the Anishinaabe, Cree, uh, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and in the homeland of the Métis Nation. So how about everybody introduces themselves? My name is Robbie. John here. Hi, um, my name is Serena. I'm David. Uh, I'm Sarah. Okay, now that everyone's been introduced, we can, I can uh, say our our topic today. We are going to be talking about the Green Party election and uh, that which wasn't the loss, the terrible defeat, and so. What did everybody expect from the election? Personally, I thought uh, this was what I thought would happen. I don't exactly have the strongest faith in electoralism, but it is real sad to see the Green Party, um, you know, go the way it's gone, just down the whole green capitalism and, you know, we can work within the system, guys, sort of thing. I think that the closeness between Lascaris and Paul on that final ballot is actually really heartening. I think that it shows that the Greens have this grassroots element that still rejects capitalism in spite of who the party brass um, chose to elect and, and who they wanted. And I think that Lascaris not winning the leadership provides an opportunity for the left that a Lascaris win would not. Anime Paul's politics are really fundamentally opposed to Lascaris's and Miriam Haddad's uh, from her pr- approach to the Middle East and foreign affairs in general, to her views on policing and the RCMP, to her actual positions on the environment, which are green capitalism at its most capitalist. And I think that many of the Greens who voted, especially those who supported Lascaris or Haddad, are going to be feeling deeply alienated from their party right now. And I think that this is an opportunity to reach them and say there are other options. There are grassroots organizations that are laying the groundwork for anti-racist, equitable, just environmentalism. And a a Lascaris win, I think, would have created the false sense among some people that eco-socialism is achievable through parliamentary means. And that simply isn't possible. Socialism isn't going to come to Canada through party politics. It's not going to come to Canada through a UBI or a 1% wealth tax or whatever other marginally progressive policies are put forward by the ruling parties. So I think we should be looking at this as an opportunity. Um, It showed us what is there and what people are kind of looking for. Um, And yeah, I'm looking at it from an optimistic point of view. I think you make a good point there. The failure of social democracy should never be seen as necessarily a, a bad thing because it provides uh, an opening for the left. What I've seen, this is just anecdotal, but uh, online, I've seen a lot of people 
saying like, oh, well, I mean, if Dimitri Lascaris isn't going to be leader of the Green Party, then screw them. I'm out. I'm going to uh, join a local radical group or I don't know. I'm joining the Communist Party and say what you want about the Communist Party. They're like a million times better than literally any party in mainstream politics right now. Uh, and also, I think uh, this election is is a good uh, sort of roll call for uh, for the left. It shows that there's about you know ten thousand people I think voted for Lascaris, and so there's about ten thousand people who are relatively dedicated uh, left uh, green leftists. Yeah, I mean that's a much more positive take than you know I really have because you know parliamentarianism is never going to get us anywhere, but it would always be nice to just have dissident voices within the parliament. Um, but I can definitely see and appreciate the perspective that, you know, this will let people radicalize as opposed to despair, but ultimately eh, it's always sad when someone who's good at heart doesn't get what they deserve and all that. Yeah, I'd also caution against talking about like this being this showing that like uh, there's a base within the Green Party that is like eco-socialist or leftist because the Dimitri Lascaris campaign, their whole idea was to just get like an insane amount of people joining from outside the party to take it over, just to uh, like human wave tactics of voters uh, coming in, and uh, most of the people that joined. Uh, were people that were going to already vote for Lascaris. So uh, I imagine they're also going to see a large drop in members. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that uh, you know, everybody was obviously trying to sign up new members, but uh, the brass got a lot of people to join the party establishment to support their preferred candidate. And, and Lascaris drew in a lot of people, and um, Haddad drew in some people. Um, but the really noticeable thing is that there, before this started, uh, and now there's no organized eco-socialist force inside the Green Party. There are all sorts of individuals, but unfortunately, um, neither of those two left candidates um, had an approach of trying to actually build an organized uh, current within the Green Party um, that would then last after the the election. So it was very traditional. You know, just get this person elected leader uh, mm-hmm. as, a, as, a, as a project rather than saying, well, the goal is to build an eco-socialist force inside the Green Party and that running the leader's candidate is a tactic to do that. That wasn't what either of those two candidates yeah. was doing. And so now um, people who are some kind of eco-socialist who are Green Party members are just, you know, as lacking in organization and um and political a framework for having political discussion and action as they were before. Yeah, you can sort of see this as like a uh, a probing attack. If we use mil- a military analogy, you can see it as a probing attack on the Green Party and to uh, to measure our strength. And the only problem is that there is no uh, leadership for this. We don't have uh, a general staff, so to speak. Does it say yeah, I mean, anything about? Sorry to jump in. Yeah, about like these relative strength or weakness of the uh, of the left in Canada that uh, they that the left wasn't even able to uh, take over the Green Party, um, like let alone you know tried to tried electing a 
uh, progressive NDP leader um, a couple years ago. That didn't work. The Green Party is much smaller than than the NDP, obviously. Um, I guess uh, Lascaris was pretty close. Did like got a lot of votes, um, yeah. but you know the there's the. I guess it it's uh, the left. I guess the ele- electoral left, right? And then there's a lot of people like you know uh, leftists that subscribe more to say like a mass movement type type of politics that wouldn't have joined the green party to vote for uh for Lascaris or or Haddad. So yeah, I don't know. Eventually like the the left will as it as it grows or if it grows will be will be able to challenge electorally. You know whether that's a good tactic or not is is a different question yeah. uh, that we can get to. But I think that's a good thing point to bring up too is is when we should be asking what can actually be accomplished by running left candidates in federal politics, and if the answer is well we're getting these ideas out into the mainstream, we should be thinking about other ways of doing that, like things like pushing for curriculum changes or supporting leftist journalism or pressing for local cooperatives to really uphold those cooperative principles like providing education and training and information to members. Because all of these things bring left ideas into the mainstream in a way that's a lot more organic and more community oriented than a federal party platform could ever be. And in the end, that's really what we want. We're we're looking to build community and build solidarity and to create strong, cohesive social units that will be able to design and implement the solutions necessary you know, for flourishing, we're not looking for answers from above and, and we don't believe that those answers will come from above. So we, we should be thinking about why why do we want to run candidates in federal politics? I think it's different on a municipal level and, and even on a provincial level. But in terms of federal politics, I, I wonder how much use it is. You know, I mean, the yeah. elections are supposed to be a, a pulpit where we can uh, we can spread our ideas and and. The problem is that what we've been trying to do, it seems, is we've been trying to, like a virus, try to infect a, a, a already existing institution that has a certain amount of power and, and reach. And unfortunately, that just won't work. We need a, a our own organization that is, is, is able to organize things like this. Yeah, I, I mean, just going back to what David said earlier, um, you know, there's not really the coherent like he pointed out that in the green party there's not really a coherent eco-socialist tendency just sort of eco-socialists in the party and i think that's sort of one of the big dangers of over focusing on parliamentarianism and electoralism because you know there's a lot of energy that it takes to do any sort of action um running campaigns and running candidates and working within the system takes as much energy as it would be to do grassroots organization of our own volition and i think at that point while i don't wholly like condemn electoralism for you know being able to push in some kind of nice reforms now and then it's very important i think to recognize that we will never get what we want from the bourgeois establishment that's simply will not be and you know like you said you know trying to i'm not sure i agree with the term you use but infect 
pre-existing establishments and that sort of entryism, I think it doesn't seem like it's been effective in anywhere I can think of in Canada and the USA. It always just seems to result in the people trying to be radical getting sidelined. Yeah, like left populism, I think is what you're talking about, is kind of just failed pretty much everywhere. Syriza even got into power, but they were not able to challenge the bourgeois state because they had taken power of it. And when they took power, it was now in their interests to uphold it. Uh, You see Corbyn, Sanders, they tried to take over existing institutions and they got destroyed uh in other places uh melanchon uh podemos in spain uh and many other parties they have not been able to take power in a true sense of like actually getting rid of the bourgeois state we always have to remember the difference between taking office and taking power you know um because even if you win an election the capitalist state is still there and the new party is maybe in office, but it's not in power because of all the, the, you know, unelected power holders that are, that are still there. But, you know, just to go back to the question that, you know, um, that Sarah was touching on about uh, what's the point of running candidates. And uh, we should, I think it's worth clarifying two really different approaches, right? Because some people think that the point of running is to uh, fundamentally to try to, win office to form government and then to make the change from above uh and then there's also another approach which in canada is very rare uh which is the idea of running as a way to try to uh use the platform use the campaign to to build social movements and to get across ideas um which is a very different you know like a different approach of trying to intervene with an extra parliamentary politics into the parliamentary arena but you know, so that's a, that is a different approach, but it's certainly not the one that that any of the left candidates, either of the left candidates in this election, were taking. As I think, um, they're obviously much better politically than the other candidates, but that their overall approach is one of trying to form office and then make the change from above. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's also worth uh, worth noting. Uh, speaking of like the other candidates, the ones the, that the like the leader that was actually chosen, elected, how shockingly, strikingly terrible um, they are politically. Um, so, like, what uh, that is, and that shows, I guess, like that that is the Green Party establishment. That is what that is the leader that they chose. Um, mm. I don't, I don't have a list up um, showing. You know all, all the different things that she's involved in. Maybe well, for yeah, now, now that now that you mention it, uh, John, do we want to talk about uh, the new leader and uh, just exactly what she stands for? I yeah. don't know. I think it just shows like how that trying trying to trying to elect a left leader of the Green Party, just how futile. <laughs> I guess that uh, that project was going to be because like this is this leader I think is like the living is the embodiment of of the uh, green Party. um for you know for the sake of those who aren't particularly keyed in with the key uh with the green party 
Would you mind like going into specifics about her politics and maybe how she contrasted with, um, you know, the people that the person that we support or support? Yeah, so I, I think uh, one good place to start would be uh, she founded an org, she co-founded an organization, the Barcelona International Public Policy Hub. An amazing name, gotta say. Just does not tell you anything about it, but it. Um, <laughs> It's done some work with groups like uh, Open Democracy. Some of you might have heard about it, which uh, literally gets money from the CIA. You know, the National Endowment for Democracy, a CIA front, gives them money. And also, I think this is hilarious, also gets literally Soros bucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And also, if you like, actually look at the stuff they publish, they like will criticize like mildly about like uh stuff in like i just looked at the stuff in south america they'll like criticize u.s allies kind of but it'll always be in a reformist way that oh these places need to be reformed we need a new government in these places uh but then whenever it's about a place that is actually leftist like venezuela bolivia cuba nicaragua any of these places, it is like, we need to remove the authoritarian Maduro regime. We need to get rid of the the the, 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 the dictatorship in Cuba. Uh, or even like the stuff they talked about, Morales, right before the coup, uh, they were all up in it about like fucking Morales being an authoritarian, how Mas was supposedly like this centrally organized party that was like dictatorial which is hilarious because that's the opposite of what it is and then like right after the coup they're like oh no no the coup very bad no we we never liked that that was bad has uh has anyone looked up um her husband as well there's some interesting stuff about about him i mean which just shows where like where they're where they're coming from like I think his name is Mark Freeman, uh, the founder and executive director of the something called the Institute for Integrated Transitions. Why um, do all these organizations have names oh, that tell us nothing? That's the point. He Honestly. he's a leading ex. This is from LinkedIn, by the way, a leading expert in international human rights and conflict re- resolution. Supported and advised cool. social, political, and business leaders in countries. It's just the, like the long laundry list. Um, I'm just read a, a few: Bolivia, Bosnia, Colombia, Democ- Democratic Republic of Congo, um, Ukraine, Venezuela. Uh, I mean, like it's just incredible. Gotta say, anybody who lists themselves as a leading human rights whatever, uh, I you can guarantee they are just going around. Uh, it's a very uh, it's a very oh. Pete Buttigieg kind of kind of resume. Just, yeah, uh, yeah, just yeah, like, like a CIA agent, basically. <laughs> Though I don't, no, I don't think he's able to potentially, that allegedly. You know, I think there's always the danger right, of associating people um, who are politically active with their spouses and assuming that they're the same. But in this case, we should make it clear that, in fact, Annamie Paul, um, in one of the debates, it was the foreign policy debate, it actually mentioned her husband um, and his role um, when she was actually asked a direct question about supporting the coup in Bolivia. So um, it's not us making that connection. She's actually made that connection um, with uh, the politics of her, of her partner. No, I think, uh, I think you, I think generally speaking, uh, like whether it's uh, uh, talking about a man and, and he, like you can criticize a man for, for uh, you know, 
some of the politics of his wife I, too because i i mean i would also criticize being friends with somebody who has has bad politics it's about who what social space you are in and and for these people they're they are in a capitalist social space they are in their enemies social space well not only are they well i don't know if, <laughs> can't get stronger wording than that but like they are not only are they you know not per progressive or left or anything um like yeah they're literally literally uh establishment capitalists like literally the um not the good guys uh like you know canada canada has mining interests in all these countries um, 70% of all mining companies in canada amazing yeah, it's it's incredible. It's not even it's anti-green. <laughs> yeah, you know, like th this is the sort of great contradiction of this sort of thing because you have these people who are you know involved in all these international affairs and they're involved in all these countries where we just so happen to have mining influence and all that. And you know, I'm not going to be a conspiracy theorist and claim you know like. You know, they're personally responsible for the fact that we're extracting lithium from somewhere. But there does seem to always be a strange contradiction between, like, the domestic and the foreign goals of people like this. Because if they're in the Green Party, they sure don't seem all that green. Well, it's because nobody gives a damn about foreign policy. Nobody has the time to think about it. They're thinking about domestic policy. They're thinking about stuff that you know will affect their lives. And the people, the th things these people propose, will never happen. But they can say they support them, which uh, which can can trick enough people to vote for them. Well, and it's interesting in this case because now the Green Party has someone who's a very confident, uh, has very can speak very confidently on international affairs, right? From you know, from a really awful perspective, but this is a way of signaling their respectability, right, further. Not that I think anybody in the ruling class thinks the Green Party is a threat, but uh, it certainly is a, is a very um, kind of reassuring inside the circle kind of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, message reinforcing the, the consensus and official politics about um, what kind of political options can be considered both at home and, and internationally. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Um, it, you know, the Green Party, you know, isn't really a threat to the establishment in any way. It's more or less completely neutered. But it's also like the one party in Canada that seems to, you know, focus ecology all that much. It's, you know, it, it's it's kind of depressing actually because, you know. Either we have, you know, this sort of these sort of parties like the Green Party, which are always either going to become part of the, you know, comfortable controlled opposition, um, or you have these, you know, small organizations, you know, like ours, um, that can't really affect stuff on a national level and you know, it sort of comes down to the question of what now? 
That is the question because, you know, we can be very critical um, and rightly so of the Green Party. And we can talk about the limits of the, the left in the Green Party. But I think the question of, you know, what should people who joined the Green Party to vote for Lascaris or her dad do now is a question that's worth talking about. I mean, we, we can't just be, you know, armchair Lenins, uh, you know, criticizing leftists without, you know, proposing our own solutions or ideas or what, like, I don't expect us to solve the revolution in a podcast, but, you know, where do we go from here? Yeah, has anyone seen um, or talked to or heard from on social media or or in person from any, you know, green eco-socialists um, who are, you know, is who are talking about what to do next. Um, I'm assuming, I don't know, I didn't join up to vote in the, in the election, uh, full disclosures. So I'm not, I can't speak for them. I don't, maybe other people here did, but I didn't. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. Obviously, loads of people did uh, did join up to vote for an eco socialist. Um, has anyone heard what <laughs> what they're saying? I've heard people demanding their ten dollars back, but that's <laughs> as far as as I've heard anybody. <laughs> they're requesting uh, to speak uh, with the Green Party's manager. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, that's completely fair. I'd like my ten dollars back too. Um, <laughs> I mean, like if I had spent, if I had given them ten dollars f- and got this like bullshit result, I would be upset too. Uh, yeah, totally. I get it. When we talk about what what needs to happen next, is is we really need to take a look at smaller scale. Like if if we really want to go with electoral politics or or think about how we can get you know, leftists into power, we need to be looking on a smaller scale because the thing is, is that the right is looking on a smaller scale. If you look at Saskatchewan Mm -hmm. right now, they're running a provincial election and they're running, all of the municipalities are having their elections as well. And the SAS party, the conservative SAS party government is running candidates in mayoral elections. They, They know what they're doing. They are getting people in place. And if we are constantly looking either at outside electoral solutions or at federal politics, we're going to be missing out on that. And, and there's so many, there's so much power that, that happens at the city level. Right. Um, and, and so I think it's important to look at those kinds of races in addition to looking at, at building things uh, at building structures outside of the existing power. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I think that's, that sounds spot on to me. I mean, especially when you mention the right does these things. The right does organize on very small levels and very big levels. Um, there's there, there's a whole spectrum of of organizing. Um, there isn't. There literally isn't an organizing space that's too small that it's not that it's not worth doing. And like, you got to win the small victories in the small places. So that you can build the skills to start winning on the bigger stages. So, 
People need to yeah. be looking too at, at their local, I mentioned cooperatives earlier and looking at their local cooperatives, because if you look at the, the makeup of the boards on co-ops, those boards, and, and we can talk about the limits to consumer co-ops as well, but um, in a different podcast, but, but the co-op boards are overwhelmingly stacked with conservatives and with people who believe that the board should not have a hand in the management of the co-ops and that the, the, the co-op should be a, a business and run like a business instead of being run like a cooperative. And oh, shit, yeah, the sell, selling off MEC, that's a different topic altogether, but like, look at that. <laughs> I, I mean, I think this is sort of, sorry, yeah, I, I cut off, uh, I cut off Sarah. I think she had some. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. sorry. I, I'm just saying that the, there are these smaller spaces that are being completely taken over by the right and they're advancing their own policies and they're prolonging the, the policies that they're advancing are, are leading to prolonged strikes among co-op members. They're leading to worsening working conditions for people who work for these co-ops, which were established, especially here in the prairies, to help people in, in communities who feel distant from federal politics, who aren't cared for by federal politics. And, and we're letting that happen. And we have to kind of take a look at, at where we can organize on local levels and on, mm -hmm. on small levels to build things. And, and, and look at the fact that there are existing structures already in place that have been co-opted by the right, that we can co-opt right back. We can take those and, and we should be looking at strategies for doing so. Yeah, I mean, this is sort of the thing, you know, you're making a very good point because I think there's always going to be nuance between the position of electoralism and reformism and, you know, let's throw Molotovs at drones. Um, and I think that the you know, nuanced middle ground position between those sorts of things is, you know, there are a lot of positions that simply get filled by whoever's around. And local politics is a lot more important than people want to realize. And sure, being a manager at a co-op in, you know, the North End isn't exactly the most glamorous of positions compared to like leader of the national green party, but there's a lot of good you can still do in those sorts of places. Even if you're within the establishment, you know, there's that sort of institutional inertia that, you know, as the federal or provincial government changes, you know, everyone below them doesn't suddenly change. So a lot of the problem that we would have, for example, for a left-wing government getting into power through electoralism would come from just the lower levels of organization, the local levels having that sort of inertia, which is currently kind of occupied entirely by the right. So, yeah, I think there is a certain value in organizing for a very local politics. I'm not convinced about, you know, national or provincial, though. Uh, well, if you're looking, yeah, if you're looking to uh, get into, we got to talk about, like, what is uh, the reason that you uh, you are trying to get into, you're, you're running an election. And there's two reasons. Either you want to get into the that position for real, or you want to just spread your ideas. And so, yeah, at a local level, uh, usually it's going to be about uh, getting into that position, usually, uh, and because that's it's much more feasible to do that. But I still think that if there was a, a suitable party to run at a federal level, uh, 
to spread ideas rather than to win elections. I think that would be, or could be at least, uh, a positive force. And I would add, just in addition to spreading ideas, I think we can people could run uh, to help build movements, right? To actually help build ongoing organizing efforts in workplaces and communities, and to encourage people to start new ones. Um, you know, that could be that could be part of an alternative approach to to intervening in the electoral sphere. But to do that, you have to already have uh, an eco-socialist organization, for example, that. Yeah. It's pretty clear about what its strategy is, what its politics are, and this is what's really missing, right? You have all these people who uh, aspire to some better kind of politics who joined the Green Party, but now are left without any organizational uh, framework for moving forward. So when people raise this question about what should, what should they do next, I think, I think people should leave the Green Party behind. Like I think a lot of people just thought it was low-hanging fruit, right? A lot of people didn't join with the intention of putting a lot of effort into it. They just joined to try to support one of these two left-wing candidates, and they're going to probably continue now to do whatever kinds of local organizing they're doing or or be not otherwise active. But I think we should encourage people to not be too, you know, too disheartened and to you know, do the important kind of grassroots work that they were doing before or to get involved in it if they, if they weren't. And um, to start discussion groups and other kinds of uh, ways to actually sort out, you know, if they're eco-socialists, what do they mean by that? Like, what are they? What's their? What are their politics? What's their goal? Um, how do they think they can achieve it? And to be in dialogue with groups like ours, um, which you know um, have some things to say about some of these questions, right? Because together we could do a lot to try to strengthen discussion of eco-socialism as well as continue to be involved in ongoing campaigns. Mm-hmm. I think you make a really good point there, David. I think I think one of the big problems is there is a lack of organization. There is nobody there there is no democratically elected uh, sort of central unit that can send out orders to uh, to do things. There is nobody managing all this. We have uh, an anarchy of, of, of political action. We're, hey. we're not all walking in the same direction. It's more of, it's also just a lack of leftist, like social infrastructure, you know? Um, yeah, exactly. Like we there need, there are, we don't have, we don't have connected networks. We don't have people working in coordinated ways. No, we like, do like, yeah. On, we're like in desperate sometimes. need we like we are at a point in time where we desperately need uh some sort of national workers party but there is none i mean not even like as that far as you know national workers party because before we were talking about very like local things even within our city you know winnipeg there's not really that many socialist groups that have either the power or the membership size or even just the coordination between them to work as a unit, you know, I don't think it would be, you know, particularly good for us to suddenly absorb every leftist in Winnipeg into our sphere, but, you know, we don't even really have contact with other socialist movements. And I think that's sort of um, a tendency across a lot of, 
you know, at least the prairies where you have a bunch of movements that kind of exist, you know, apart from each other, which I think is deeply unhealthy for the left. Well, it's almost completely dispersed, right? There's by far the vast majority of people who would call themselves some kind of socialist are not in a socialist group of any kind. Um, yeah. And it, yeah, it would be a mistake to try to put them all into one group because it would be just totally an incoherent mess. But for people to get organized and to work together as much as possible is clearly the way to go. Yeah. You know, I'm not asking anyone, you know, to tow the solidarity Winnipeg line, but, um, you know, there needs to be, you know, before we can even think of like local election uh, or even local organization, even a strike, you know, we need to at least be able to you know, have good communication between the other disparate groups. And that's sort of a general rule for most leftists, I think. And that's the problem, you know, to bring it back to the Green Party election, you know, that's kind of the problem with, you know, trying to do eco-socialism on that mass level because, you know, the Green, the movement within the Greens didn't really end well because you know local support for it was probably not great i'm guessing no you didn't you know i don't know every single detail but you know there's not many eco-socialist organizations in canada in the first place and i don't think there's any affiliated with the green party in any capacity so trying to build a movement like that and there is going to be difficult yeah, well, I mean that that's part of that kind of goes down to just like the sort of quirks of of trying to organize around environmentalism as as an organizing principle rather than something like uh, everybody being of a certain class and that class having interests that should be pursued. Mhm. Yeah, there's always going to be a weird tension between environmentalism and class politics. It's not like irresolvable or even a contradiction. It's just environmentalism is inherently a very local idea. It has global implications, but you know what's environmentally right for you is not environmentally right elsewhere. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's also that environmentalism is uh, sort of has... It has a, a a working class appeal, but it also has a a middle class sort of upper middle class appeal to people who are looking to assuage their guilt, uh, for 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 whatever reasons. And so, a lot of these movements that like may have even insert as pretty radical, uh, eventually just become uh, totally subsumed within the system. That's what you see see with green parties pretty much everywhere. Yeah, and yet, because the ecological crisis is so bad and it's going to continue to get worse, it's going to be, you know, these questions are going to keep on getting thrown up. And again and again, we're going to see, are people prepared to move uh, in anti-capitalist directions to try to respond to these problems? Or like the, you know, Green Party of Canada's leadership, are they going to try to square the circle by claiming that they can address the ecological crisis without doing anything to to challenge capitalism at all? Um, So, that's a contradiction politically that's going to keep on, you know, being wrestled with by lots of people. And I think certainly my experience in climate justice organizing in Winnipeg is that lots of people are very open to anti-capitalist ideas, but even people who call themselves eco-socialists um, don't have a lot of 
confidence in what that means as an alternative, and they're not organizing, you know, politically separate, you know, independently from the work they're doing in, in climate justice work. But there's a lot of people who are going to be continuing to think about these things in the coming years. And so I think there's a lot of a lot of important work to do there and a lot of a lot of possibilities yeah um, i mean yeah i mean it is interesting that you just brought up that you know people aren't exactly confident in the label of eco-socialism because it is a very vague political term like it is literally one step removed away from the term socialist and how much it you know doesn't describe some sort of specific set of ideas yeah well i think the idea of confidence is is something that that is is important. That I think, yeah, a lot of uh, just socialists in general lack confidence in uh, in, in themselves or in their own ideas. They 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 don't uh, they're not bold enough. They don't uh, go into the breach. Mm-hmm. And that's connected to the weakness of our organizations, right? I think it's hard for people to develop political confidence. Um, that's really grounded if they're not working together collectively with other people so that they can we can learn together and then we can work together you know putting our politics into practice uh, and then learning through that experience and developing our skills and develop you know learning together um, those are I think really important things um, on a tiny you know very small scale solidarity Winnipeg is trying to do some of that here in Winnipeg but um, it's that lack of political organization that's really a, a big problem. I think it's something that really contrasts with the right, where they have total confidence in what they're doing. They have, they they know what they are doing is a hundred percent right, and uh, they will, you know, in some cases, literally kill people. They're so confident. Uh, something I cannot imagine anybody on the left doing. Yeah, I mean, the problem that we that really comes into focus for you when thinking about it is Green Party is sort of dead in the water place to try and organize and i i guess sort of the question becomes if people are you know people aren't really confident in socialism and the movement's kind of disorganized and disparate you know what do we start doing to remedy that that's an old question and as an old answer organize 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 and uh yeah we need to we need to organize a little level so we can organize at a little bigger level then we can organize it at a big level, and then eventually at a really big level. But, yeah, I think uh, that's true. There's lots of opportunities, right? I mean, whether it's the ongoing climate justice work, which in Winnipeg is, you know, mostly happening through the Manitoba Energy Justice Coalition, or work uh, in unions or strike support, like we've got the strike at Stella's, and there's also the school bus drivers in um, the Winnipeg School Division who are on strike. Uh, they're in the campaigns around uh, Safe September, the campaign for, you know, uh, changes in with schooling's happening in the context of the pandemic, and there's so many other opportunities um, for people to, uh, to try to you know, try to get involved in organizing, even in the difficult circumstances that we have because of COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. It's always very weird, you know, discussing you know what do we do and all that because when it comes to the climate, there's a sense of urgency to it, but at the same time, I don't know. If this current pandemic, like that, this it basically took several months out. Like, there's no way we we could have done major work, or anyone could have done major, long lasting work, um, you know, during shutdown and all that. So we have to get the work 
but it feels almost like we can't right now, and that is an excessively frustrating feeling. Well, yeah, it's. I think I think it's because we're at uh, sort of a point of crisis, but we don't have the power to to exploit it to to turn that point of crisis into something transformative. Instead, we're just kind of going through the motions. But even even in the doldrums, or even in the most difficult times, there are you know things that can be done and people are continuing to work uh you know i mentioned a bunch of examples there's also winnipeg police cause harm for example and the campaign to get school resource officers out of the, the school so um there are lots of things people that can people can plug into and there's also the really important and you know not to, not to be underestimated um role of, of education the need to actually grapple with some of these things to read and and learn together uh, so we can become clearer and better able to act effectively when better opportunities present themselves yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's a good point about education is a, a lot of uh, eco-socialists and, and leftists in general have very skewed ideas about certain things but ideas like what is the state how what is how does reformism work all that stuff uh, they have very very poor understanding yeah i mean ultimately i think the the thing that needs to be acknowledged you know taking the conversations about reformism electoralism the green party eco-socialism and all that sort of thing you know i guess the general feeling i have is that this particular election of the green party it was a wash um i'm kind of heartened now like kind of hardened by the fact that you know there's a lot of eco-socialists who voted for the eco-socialist but <clears throat> i can't sort of shake the despair i have at how much work there is left to do but uh as the tweet that goes around every time something bad happens you know, let this not drive you into despair, but radicalize you further. Yeah, well, uh, we always have to think of ourselves as, uh, uh, we always have to consider that we are uh, sort of a Moses figure. We are bringing the people to another world, but we will not experience it, unfortunately. Oh, that's There's a little a possibility. too vanguardy for me, bud. <laughs> There's a, it was a line that I think... Uh, I think it was Eugene Debs, the U.S. socialist at the beginning of the 20th century, who said that uh, he was no Moses, didn't think the workers needed a Moses, because if they could be led somewhere, they could be led back again. Uh, and he said, you know, <laughs> he, he would, have, he would uh, have them do nothing but what they could do for themselves. That's the spirit of socialism from below. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, then we're all, we're all Moses. We can all lead ourselves collectively. I guess what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, is with the sheer amount of work, at least I will need a hobby in retirement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's something that uh, that socialists are probably uh, realizing by now. It's like, oh, there's uh, we're always going to be busy. Uh, are we going to get some time off? Um not well, that, that's the beauty of collective struggle. A single person in a choir taking a break doesn't destroy the song. It's true. Gotta say, the work benefits for socialism uh, not too good right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, but what to speaking to that, like find your comrades, folks, please <laughs> stay stay sane, stay safe, don't burn yourself out. Uh don't stare too long into the abyss. Like it's intimidating and scary out there. Especially with your when you're alone. Find something to do. Join an org. Yeah, I, I mean before I join this. Be, it doesn't have to be Solidarity Winnipeg either. It doesn't have to be ours. It, like literally, whatever you're into, go go do it. Mutual like do mutual aid. I don't know. Find something. None, none of us are none of us are in this alone. And that's something we have to remember, even though the work is overwhelming. Well, uh, I'm going to have to disagree, John. Uh, it does have to be Solidarity Winnipeg. Uh, Mar- <laughs> Marxism, Leninism, Robbieism is the guiding force of, 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 of this movement, and I, I don't think uh, anything else will, will do. <laughs> oh, damn. Oh, uh, damn. There, I'm, I'm, I'm told. to be the mock, no. Fuck. I'm too anarchist for this shit, no. So, uh, should I do an outro, then? Outro would be nice. Sure. Okay. Well, folks, uh, that is... This is the end of our first podcast. We have uh, launched ourselves into action, and uh, we will see what it delivers. But uh, this is us going out, I guess. So this is Robbie. Uh, John here. See you later. I'm Serena. Goodbye. I'm out. David, saying goodbye. That's it, everyone. Good luck. Farewell. Solidarity Winnipeg is working to lay the basis for an eco-socialist political organization. By that we mean a group of eco-socialists who work in a coordinated way in community groups, in unions and on campuses to build grassroots power, to build support for the long-term goal of breaking with capitalism and starting a transition to eco-socialism. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, join us for one of our educational events, and check out our website at solidaritywinnipeg.ca.